0: I'm in your egg getting everywhere and like glitter. With diamonds in my veins, glitter. All I want to hear from you, and like glitter. Some girls are made to shine.
1: hey Jules it's New Year's Eve here but it's New Year's Day there so I wanted to call and wish you a very very happy birthday I hope you had an amazing day an amazing party I hope you were surrounded by friends and cool people and yeah dude I hope 2022 brings you a ton of really rad stuff until next year peace out hey Jules much love to you too and many happy returns of the day Is hoping you have a excellent year uh, enjoy the hell out of those books and your D&D going forward um, yeah and I think you're right take a leaf out of Jay's book podcast when, and wherever you can and who cares what people think, catch you later hey Jules, Jason here, happy birthday sounds like you got a lot of great stuff very cool Hopefully twenty twenty two will be the game we get back into gaming. I'm looking forward to hopefully playing with you in a game the day I send this, the first of January, in the US at least. So I I think it'd be the second January your time. Not sure, because you're in the future. Future jewels. Okay, gonna let you go. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: No. Thanks, lads. That was Joey of Hindsightless, Colin of Spike Pit and Grand Teaching Fame, and Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. It really means a lot. You called in to say happy birthday. Um, I've really enjoyed my time getting to know all three of you via podcasting. I mean, it's literally the only way that I know of you, which is kind of crazy when you really think about it. Like, Joey has been such an amazing friend of mine now for many years which is weird to say um because i started out as just like a groupie of Willow woe just like a really big fan of Willow woe so big i was writing their wiki um <laughs> and, ca- and capturing everything that happened on the podcast you know and and now I, not a day goes by that i don't call joey with a panic that I've lost my keys or share something stupid that happened to me or um, like, you know, celebrate with him something that's happened in my life or his life or, you know, call him if he's like, I'm having a crap day. I like call him as if I can straight away to just try and cheer him up, you know. And I just think that the fact that I've got a friend over the other side of the world that is as close to me and as precious to me as he is only through podcasting is crazy. It's a crazy thing to have happened and a really special thing to have happened. And the fact that I've been able to play in so many games with so many amazing people all over the world is, is one of my favorite things about technology. You know, you guys are all amazing um, and I really feel that I'm a very lucky lady to have been able to game with you all. So um, before I go and cry, because apparently I've started this year crying a lot, um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I wanted to address some of the points that you pulled up. So uh, I am podcasting right now from my car. I had a spare sort of 10 minutes before work to get this piece done. Um, I'm really trying to take a leaf out of Joey's book and the way that he podcasts. He podcasts in little chunks, he records little bits when he can, and then he's able to put out the podcasts, right? So I've been trying to sit down and create an entire podcast from woe to go and do the whole thing in one shebang so it's done and it's out and it's it's published. Um, But it's really not working, as you've noticed, my podcasting slowed down quite a lot at the uh, end of the year there and that's just because of how busy I am with paid campaigns and a podcast to run um and uh bookings that I keep being given which is amazing um And just a bunch of stuff going on in my life, it's not working to find that chunk of time to sit down and do it. So if I can find smaller chunks of time and um, get out these little pieces and record them into my library, and then hopefully that will push the podcast through. Um, Also researching a lot of New Zealand stuff is slowing me down. So you may find that the next few podcast episodes are a lot about RPG because I can do a lot of that from my brain without having to do a bunch of research to make sure the information that I'm giving you is right. So um, I will continue to give you New Zealand podcast episodes, but they may slow down quite a lot this year, which won't be any different from last year because I was barely putting them out in the first place. Let's be honest, right? Right. But um, I think in this way I'll be able to give you a lot more stuff, content, quicker. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as we know, as we've seen in the years, you know, with Spike Pit and, and the things that Shadow of a GM is doing and the things that Grizzly Peak Radio is doing, um, podcasts change and evolve and, and become what you need them to be or what you can, the energy that you can give them, basically. So, so be that... In mind when uh, you're waiting for the next New Zealand episode and you're annoyed at me for still talking RPG, I apologize for that. Um, but um, I, I'll just put them out as I can uh, and, and kind of go with that. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is that game that Joey referenced. Uh, it was an amazing game, it was run on my birthday technically. My birthday where he was, my birthday not where I was, it was the day after my birthday because time is weird and I'm from the future apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an amazing, an amazing game and it started from the start amazing. So Joey had put things on our character sheets because apparently it had been months, you know, since we last picked up with our characters and so our characters had been off doing things and making the world a better place or whatever and picking up items and stuff. So we already started with these these items on our sheet that made us like beefier and harder to hit and stuff. So mine was this amazing and I've forgotten what it's called, forgive me Joey. But it's basically like spider silk armor um for not just me and my character Hadira, who's like a little gnome druid with green skin and these fiery, sort of pink and red ponytails that stick crazily up from her head. Um, and she uh wears like sort of forest outfits. I think like she's tried to make her green and brown fabric as much like the leaves that she's always travelling through so that, you know, she's sort of stealthy she's pretty stealthy as well i remember she's got like a plus nine or something to her stealth. so you know it makes sense for her to be dressed sort of camouflagey right well joey went even further than that and gave her spider silk armor so not only her but her um giant panther cat companion ghost who's actually like an albino like panther cat so he's like white which is weird in a forest and sure but you know um he's super stealthy as well um and when we were describing, like telling each other how our items looked on us, so when we were like, hey, I got this cool item and it does these things, and Joey was letting us describe it instead of telling us what it looked like, which was really fun. And he's very good at doing that. Um, I was like, yeah, so she wears spider silk and it kind of wraps all around her. So you can sort of see like pits of um, her leafy kind of armor still sticking through. But because she also has this spell called um spider whip where she can basically command a swarm of spiders to be a whip and she can um attack from range with the spider whip it just can't last so it can't grab on because it's a swarm right but it still does damage plus poisoning damage um because the spiders still bite when they when they get you which is amazing it's amazing spell so because she casts spider whip quite a lot. Um, I decided that the spider swarm that she calls into being and to being the spider whip would kind of always live on her sp- if while she's wearing the spider silk armor. So she's always sort of got like little, little tiny spiders running around her suit. And it doesn't bother her because they're her friends and she loves them. You know, like they're like extensions to a companion pet. It's kind of how she sees them. Um, And I was like, yeah, she's like talking to you about her new spider silk armor and she's twirling because it kind of slays out these beautiful glossomer filigree like, um, you know, pieces of spider web and then comes back down again. But as she's doing it, as she turns around with a delighted grin on her face, there's a little spider that runs across her her face and just above her top lip and then um disappears around behind her air again and one of the characters that plays Amethe was like nope 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 Amethe kills herself because <laughs> she's so horrified <laughs> she's like her friend her friend Adira is now grotesque <laughs> I was dying I was dying it was very fun um it's not very often I play a character who's uh not scared of spiders because I am definitely afraid of spiders so it was very fun to um role play something very different from myself so um I really enjoyed that I know Jason has actually already covered a good um like summary of our game over on hindsight list but I wanted to kind of cover it again um so we, we travelled across, uh, you know, we travelled out of town. We were basically given a mission to, to try and end the war. We needed better weapons, better weaponry. We needed to be better armed and stuff. We needed, like, help, basically. So we were going to try and travel out and to this place that we'd heard about that might be able to help us, you know, kind of thing. So um, we, we set forth and we faced our greatest enemy of the whole game. <laughs> A broken bridge in a frozen river. God damn it, we could not get across this thing. We were all, like, falling in the river getting wet and suffering like cold damage it was so annoying um but we managed to get across and then we camped because we were all cold <laughs> we needed to sit around a fire and then we got attacked by uh the second kind of enemy we we spotted him from distance and Hadera army crawled and wasn't seen for ages and it was awesome but um this this was the horse wolf the infamous horse wolf that's of course not its name um, of the creature, but it was its name, according to us, because <laughs> it was described as a horse-sized wolf. And then we were like, "Hey, it's the horse wolf," <laughs> for the rest of the game. Um, so that was pretty fun. And then we finally made it into this like kind of KV Templey dungeony thing. Forgive me, Joey. Again, I-, I I honestly cannot remember how we got to the thing, like what the door was. Um, I think we opened a door. But I genuinely cannot remember. I just remember coming into this room and it was just full of like, you know, runes and um, things to read and history to have and you know all of that kind of. It was this beautiful nature temple with all of these runes and 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 um, idols and um, columns and stuff all over the walls and stuff. And I was really enjoying that. And then it was like there was a thing about written on the wall, like you know, if you want and you put your hand in the fire kind of thing. And somebody said to Hadira, well, go on, put your hand in the fire. And she's like, no, okay. <laughs> so she did, um, blindly with faith for her friends. Uh, she didn't get burnt. It was like more of a lightning fire, which was fun. Um, and then um, when she put her hand in, a whole lot of zombos and some kind of ghosty, wraithy, shadowy thing appeared and so we had to do an epic fight of a whole lot of undead and that was really fun and then once we'd done that we were able to descend further into this like temple tomb um, and find this crazy trapped fey creature who we had to free by smashing a whole lot of globes and then once we'd smashed the globes um She was like i'm free uh i promise to help you sometime mystery in the future and we were like cool that'll be super helpful because you look like real powerful and stuff apart from the fact that you trapped yourself by a bunch of globes because you were trying to trap like your god back on earth um which is like real not smart but maybe so maybe not super intelligent but looks super crazy strong and the old arcane magic so i'm sure that'll be helpful (laughs) and then we got to raid her because she's like a ghosty ghost now, right? So she can't use her, like, gear, um, her weaponry, her armor and, like, her tricks and stuff. And so we got her stuff, which is pretty cool because um, we all got to take, like, an item, right? And we all got to pick them. And so the item I picked was, um, I forget what it was called... Um, But it was an amulet, basically. And uh, it's... um, It, like, crackles slightly with electricity. And once per day, when subject to an effect that deals electricity damage the wearer can spend an immediate action while obscured by the flash to become invisible, leaving behind an illusory pile of ashes and bones as if they've been slayed by the electrical effect. The wearer's invisibility and their illusory remains last for five rounds or until the wearer attacks any creature. Creatures that study or interact with the ashes can make a DC 11 will save to disbelieve the illusion, though this does not end the invisibility effect. And in addition The abulate also provides electricity resistance of 10. So the idea is kind of you get hit by electricity, you not only get hit by it, you don't get hit by the damage because you've got the resistance of 10, but you can go invisible and pretend to be dead. Hell yes, Hedera chose that. (laughs) She's so creepy and weird and like good at stealth and stuff. Of course she's going to do that. She's going to pop up somewhere else and smash them with the whip of spiders. Do a whole lot of poison damage. Hedera and her panther have a whole lot like Hadira has a whole lot of poisons and stuff on her belt and her panther is linked to her and she can cast um acid more on her panther so that not only when it like attacks it does bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage with its teeth but then it also does acidic damage which has like a continuous effect as well so it keeps doing like a d4 for like two more rounds of acid damage as well which is sick Super sick. I love Hadira so much. I cannot wait to play her again. I really hope that Joey keeps running these games because um, I love her and I want her to live forever. Um, okay. Anyway, that's enough from me at the top. Um, we've got bunches and bunches of calls to get through. So... Starting 2022, right, I'm going to clean the slate. You're going to hear from a bunch of other people today um, because uh, that's what I want my podcast to be today. (laughs) A bunch of other people Um, because they've all got really cool things to say. We're going to hear about backseat um, DMing and we're going to hear about – Cal's going to ask me a question, which I'm going to try and answer um, as best as I can, and I might have a few more things on it i have been thinking about it for a while because obviously he sent me this question a while ago so um, if i come up with anything else uh later i'll re-record that piece and do it again because um i tried (laughs) but i think i think there's more i honestly think yeah anyway i'm getting distracted so let's hear from some other people because they're all awesome okay bye just gems
1: Karina more? How about more Karina? <laughs> Plucking hot is genius. She's 100% right, though. If you make friends and you're chatting up with people, especially when you're out getting food, you'll get extra. And Karina is absolutely extra, extra. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Peace out.
0: That was Joey from Hind Silas again. Um, Joey, I played that for Karina, and she could not stop laughing. She just about, like cried and wet herself. I I think you made her day, maybe her year. I don't really know, but she just could not stop laughing. It was kind of hilarious. All right. Into something much more serious. Hey, GMologist Presents, what you got for me?
2: I think that definitely explains it more, and I, I can think of situations where what you're talking about would really – take the, the wind out of the sails of a really awesome game where you as a GM have already decided, yeah, I think what you are doing is sounds cool. Uh, let's do it this way. And then someone else speaks up, well, that's not the way it really works and blah, blah, blah. And then both the GM, um, and the player who wanted to do the cool thing are disappointed. So you kind of sometimes let things go and let things happen. Right. Um, which I think is fine, right? It's, the GM's game ultimately but you want the players to have fun and you try to push at least I feel one tries to push more excitement and fun than rules following generally speaking but then as a player you know you really gotta and probably at the table is not the time to do it is to talk to a GM about the rules and I think So this happened to me, and because I think GMs, we play different games for them, you know, a lot of the times, and then rules kind of in one game aren't the same as in another. For example, the 5e opportunity attack rule is not the same as attacks of opportunity in 3.5 Pathfinder, right? So in in 5e, you have to kind of leave all the threatened areas of a creature to get an opportunity attack. But in Pathfinder, if you slide along the um, threatened area of a creature, if it's not a five-foot step, then you get an opportunity attack. And this happened in a game that I was playing. I was like, well, but... But then I kind of remembered that I was a player, not the GM, and I just kind of shut up, even though it was bad for the players. But then again, you want to talk to the GM after and say, hey, I don't think this is the way that rule works. Um, And if you're going to deviate and make that a house rule because you don't like players to have their, or players to have their characters slide along a bad guy, um, then you got to let us know because then we won't do that because we think, because I played other 5e games and that's what you're allowed to do. And if you're changing the rules, you got to let us know, right? So that's, I think that's ultimately, but you're right. Not during the game, after the game, I will probably have to remember to do that because sometimes I want to say something like I'm sure you're put in that situation with your that that one group that you're playing in where you're like you want to say something but you know it is what it is I guess but uh keep on playing really enjoy your uh your recaps and your ga- your games and uh, that's so awesome you're playing lots of them
1: Yo, Jules, awesome episode. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same camp as you are in terms of backseat Dungeon Masters. So, for example, in the Pathfinder game I play in as a player, the one I'm actually heading, getting ready to head out to right now, I have a a, a broader understanding of the rules than the Dungeon Master because she's new. She hasn't run a bunch before, so we have talked a bunch outside of the game, and she's okay with me you know she'll ask me a question on how a rule works i'll say how a rule works uh if she seems stuck i'll you know i'll be like oh the rules say it works like this you know but if you don't want to do it that way that's okay Generally, when I bring up rule stuff, it's because I've noticed some of the other players aren't following the rules, and she hasn't picked up on that. So I'm actually helping her out. But I would never, ever be like, yeah, no, I would have done it this way, or you should have done this instead of that. I think that's crossing a line. That's a whole nother thing. And, yeah, I'm not into that. Anyway, peace out.
0: Nice. Nice sum up, lads. So that's Kyle from Geologist presents and joe from hindsight list there at the end um yeah i i agree with pretty much everything that you were saying there lads there's not really much to disagree with honestly i i do believe that um pushing more fun than rules is is the base of what i do is the most important thing i can do as a dungeon master but probably uh, what do I say the most? Because maybe the mo- the most important thing that I can do as a dungeon master is set up a good session zero. I firmly, firmly believe that to be the case. What you do in that session zero and how you set that session zero up and the expectations on their behavior and and um like finding out their expectations on yours is probably the most defining thing that will ever happen for the entire of the game like not that moment that you kill the big monster or whatever like isn't important it is important but that moment only comes up comes to a head if you've set the game up well in the beginning and everybody is enjoying themselves because everybody feels like things are fair and well explained and they know what they're doing right like those things only come to pass if the game is set properly so you know rules should be outlined at the beginning like which rule set you're using like are we sticking to 5e like rules, because then let's go by five E rules. If you're bringing in any house rules, they should be set in that session zero. Everybody should know what to expect. Otherwise, bringing in a house rule mid game when people have made decisions on their character sheets about things and, and and expectations of how they would play, whether you think they're broken or not, um, is is kind of bad DMing. Like to bring in a rule middle of the game that 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 you already knew you were going to do Um, it's different if like you have to make a ruling on how something works against something else that you haven't struck before two spells colliding Um, a condition and a spell colliding, like that kind of stuff that you haven't really struck before and you don't really have a house rule for that. There isn't really a rule for that. That is about discussion between player and GM to find something that feels fair and good. Um, That's different, right? But like, uh, for instance, in my games, if you roll a one on anything apart from initiative, because initiative is just figuring out your place in time, Um, Not necessarily an actual action that you're taking. But if you roll a one, it's not like damage to yourself. It's not just you fail the action or whatever. You usually, in most of my games, are cursed by a chaos demon, And the chaos demon is called into being by the one. Um, And chaos happens. And sometimes chaos is good and sometimes chaos is bad. But the whole point is, is if you roll a one, you roll a d100 on this chart and things happen, right? But I always, always check with my players in session zero to make sure that everybody is okay and knows that rule so the expectation is there. It's not just like, oh, you rolled the first one of the game. You're cursed by a chaos demon, and and now stuff happens, and they're like, wait, what? Um, that stuff should never come out of left field. Yeah. Um, And talking after the game, I think, is important. Um, and talking during the game, is important but I always set up in that session zero again here I go talking about that session zero with people if I always say to people very clearly I'm not the one who holds the rules in my head I quite often have to look up the rules or remind myself of how they work I use my dm screen all the time for all the information that it has on the back of it. I just can't hold some of that stuff in my brain. I've got the story and the NPCs and what I'm doing in my brain. Uh, there's a lot going on in there. The basics of course I can hold in my brain, but you know some of those how the conditions work and things like that, they're not in my head. So if somebody knows that and they just know the wording and stuff, great, like contribute. Um I'll be Very clearly, being like, oh crap, how does that work again? And somebody will just tell me, and I'm like, great, thanks, and we'll just move the game along, you know. But, um, if I say something and I've got the role kind of wrong, I encourage people, and I set this up right at the start if you know that I've got it wrong and you're looking at it going, no, 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 that's that's wrong, um, and you don't want to like stop me in my tracks or Um, make like make it awkward if it's going to be awkward for you but you do want I mean I want us to play by the rules too I really do so I want to be corrected so I set that up I also set up that if you don't want to interrupt the game and you feel like it's going to interrupt the flow of the game which I always am very strong on like you know, don't interrupt other people's turns and blah, blah, blah. Um, Send me a message. My messages are always open. So I've got um, my discord message there, my um, Facebook messenger right there Um, and send me a message about what I've got wrong or I, uh, how it works or whatever it is. And then I can self-correct. So I'll I'll wait for that person's turn for them to say their thing about their turn, and I'll be like, looks like I got that wrong um, with a bit more investigation. Sorry, guys, this is how it actually works. And then everybody is happy and everything is fair. Because for me, the rules aren't about, like, limiting play or um, saying you can only do things one way. Or uh, I've that's I guess this is why I've never been interested in making my own game because I don't find the rules to be – Limiting in any kind of way, what the rules do is provide a fair playing ground so that everybody plays in a way that is the same and and they get the same experiences and they do not feel cheated in any kind of way and they feel like they get the same opportunities that everybody else does. That's what rules do. In my head, and that's why um, I'm I'm glad that the five E rules are so extensive, and people have done a lot of research on how things work together, so that I don't need to because um, yeah, it's all there and and written on the internet, even if it's not in the book very clearly, which I love. So yeah, I I I guess DMs as players, um, the conversation continues. If if anybody else is got anything to add in about how they feel as dms as players or dms setting up play and rules for play please feel like um you can call in and contribute not sure that this topic will ever be done um i may have to do a podcast on just session zero and what that actually looks like um what i take people through um just to further explain that stuff you. Anyway, uh, I feel like Carl's got heaps more to say. Uh, I think he's got at least two more messages in the bank that I have been a bad, bad podcaster and haven't played. So let's hear from Carl a couple more times. Let's go.
3: Zealandia sounds so cool and it sounds like it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, um, I guess only I kind of participated in something like that. But it doesn't seem nearly as kind of neat. It was well for one. It was indoors. I think it. Uh, what is it? I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's the service that goes around with conventions, and you get little coins and you can collect them. Um, but yours being outdoors and you could walk and it was like stations, a progression that was like forty minutes at each. At each GM was really a kind of a neat thing. So it's like an all day. Um, or it's a longer experience it seems you're not just sh- shuttled through but it, it does sound really cool um, are you going to do it again is it an ongoing thing um it'd be cool to hear about continuing projects like that thank you
0: yeah so the being outdoors really added something to that experience Carl. like the extra parts of taking photos of the birds and and then showing that to the next DM along your travels and that would give you um, a role with advantage or your next role with advantage. That was epic to see play out too. You know, we were really trying to encourage people to take part in the beautiful surroundings as much as in the adventure and in the game. So yes, we want to do it again soon. We're going to approach other big venues with our very in-depth plan and and, um, financial kind of um, gain for them. And basically try our luck uh, That's this year We definitely want to do another big one So big plans for um, Questbook and hopefully it all Goes well but you've got one More thing to say uh, And it's very exciting Take it away
3: Carl Hey Jules Carl again So my home group We're currently running a long term campaign But we already talked about We want to run after and the vote was cast and it was a Curse of Strahd. However, apparently there one of the players found or heard of this intro that you could use, since Strahd starts at 3rd level, that you could use some material from Ghosts of Saltmarsh as an intro before you get into Barovia or Bavaria. I don't know which one is real and which one is fictitious, but... Anyway, so since you've run some ghosts, what do you think that could happen? How would you do it? The Reddit really wasn't clear or it was unsatisfying, but it does sound like a cool idea. I've always liked your know, danger at Dunwater and other tales um, from way back, but um, what do you think now that you've run it a couple times?
0: Up next is a massive spoiler for Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Um, so if you are wanting to play ghosts of salt marsh and um you don't want like anything spoiled i mean I'm, I'm trying not to spoil too much of the adventure and the 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 details of it but i do give you a lot of law world law spoilers so um if you don't want to hear that just skip the end of this podcast i forgive you uh, for doing so um if you do want to hear a whole lot of world lore about salt marsh um stick around hope it's interesting so I've been thinking about this for a while because it actually would be kind of cool. So in the book, although it's not really detailed a lot, because a lot of the ghosts of Saltmarsh, they see, they leave kind of deliberately vague. I mean, it is also a setting document, right? As much as it has chapters with um, different adventures contained within it, there's also um, just so much information on the surrounding environments um how ships would run how you could run sea adventures there's like three other pirate ships that are detailed in the book that are never used in any of the adventures but that your players could totally come across you know one of the um the ships I don't have the book in front of me um and I really should have done this with the book in front of me but one of the ships is basically an entire Pirate ship of vampires, um, crewed by obviously a very, um, very malicious kind of vampire captain. Um, they usually only come out at night and they use fog to hide themselves and it's all very um, mysterious and awesome. If your players came across this particular vampire crew, could they uh, be given like a mission to? extinguish them and the only way to do that is to go to Barovia where they know how right like they they might come across them and then have a near escape and then want a free salt marsh from that and then want like have to investigate this further you know maybe that that could be a way to kind of link the two easily um there's also uh, there's like a million other things okay so um Ghost of Saltmarsh actually specifies that two portals already exist or two kind of portals already exist to other planes. So it would be easy enough to explain that a third one exists. like a third way to get anywhere exists. They already have um, multi-planar dimensional travel right there in Saltmarsh. So um, there is a portal to the abyss in the drowned forest and there is like a nexus to Shadowfowl near the twisted castle of Granny Nightshade in the middle of the Dreadwood, right? So Granny Nightshade is, is if you don't know Granny Nightshade, she is um, described as the most powerful hag, like, maybe in existence. She's made several bargains with um, the Dukes of Hell, uh, the Nine Hells, to, to exist the way that she does. And her her sort of nexus to the Shadowfowl actually supplies her with half of the creatures that defend her her twisted castle in the middle of the Dreadwood. And is probably the main reason why the Dreadwood has to be defended um, against in Saltmarsh. So over in Silverstand, in, in Burl, in the main town of Burl or whatever, they produce a whole lot of, like, Fae creatures, so Silverstan used to have a portal to the Fae in it, but doesn't anymore um, for whatever reason. I'm sure that is detailed probably in in Greyhawk further. Um, I've done a little bit of research, and and basically it used to exist. It doesn't actually say this in Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I don't think, but it used to exist back in the day, and Saltmarsh is actually built on the ruins of what was probably once a great Fae versus human battle. Um, and there are certain elements in Saltmarsh that uh, still stand today as a remnants of this. So like there's a bridge called Sharkfin Bridge in the middle of Saltmarsh, for instance, that um, uh, any, any fae based creature that crosses it feels like seasick, like slightly sick, like, they are affected by very old magics like back in the day they would have probably killed them outright to even step on that bridge right like it was it was part of a huge old enchantment of protection for the humans um of Saltmarsh of old you know and the same with this ruined kind of fence line that sort of surrounds part of it but um that obviously isn't a thing anymore so for whatever reason it, it's done and it's over and and I'm probably going to make up a story about that because my players are pretty interested in the bridge so I am going to need to address that at some point so need to do my history work on that but um yeah so anyway so so Silverstand and the Fae that still live there are basically put to work def- like making sure that the borders of the Dread Marsh are always patrolled because so regularly crazy creatures pop out of there um, and manage to sometimes break through and cause chaos, which is a regular um, adventure that people can pick up from like the the Town Guard board. They can go join the fight and kill some monsters or whatever on the borders of the Dreadwood. But and there are it, it, there is a lot of information about what is contained inside the dreadwood in terms of random tables that they can roll, depending on if they're on the borders, if they're in the middle, like – uh, and slightly further in or if they're in the actual middle of the Dreadwood. Things get hairy in there. And Granny Nightshade is explained as, like, the most powerful thing in there. But, like, they've got CR-15, CR-17 creatures on the random table on the inside of this thing. So what is she? Like, she hasn't detailed. She hasn't given a stat block. But I'm assuming she's somewhere around CR-18, C CR 19 CR-20. Like, some kind of crazy... Like, uh, I have no idea. I haven't, I haven't really ever played creatures that high. But, like, so she's right up there anyway, right? So it would be pretty easy um, to for players to, like, go in search of Granny Nightshade and get kind of turned around and confused in the fog and Vesperovia, v- v- you know, like, that could be a thing. But there's also another... Another intriguing element that is not defined in any kind of way in Saltmarsh. There is a vampire trapped in a cellar over in the Cab- Crabbers Cove. There is no reason for it to be there. There's no there's no storyline around it being there. It's just a detail that exists there. Like, uh, yeah, like, players can interact with it if they ever figure it out. But there's no real, like, story hook for how they would figure it out. So I guess if you were going to do that, you'd have to completely write the story hook yourself, but it'd be very easy for them to find this trapped vampire and for the vampire to bargain for its freedom. Like, I know where there's like lots of treasure. I can take you there. You know, you can just kind of see something like that happening. Um, And then he sort of takes them. I would, I would probably go somewhere near the Dreadwood, anyway, and then the fogs and the mist take over, and Barovia, you know, um, and then they're like trapped there by this vampire that vanishes, like you know, because don't make deals with vampires, It never goes well. Um, I think something like that could be really fun, um, just as like an easy story hook. Like they approach a seaside town. Look at Saltmarsh. Uh, somebody hears like a thirsty whispering out of. A- Something trying to call the rats to come, you know, like I don't know. Um, it's D D; you can figure it out. But like that, yeah, those those are the few kind of things that instantly occur to me. The other thing that could be vaguely fun to play with in that space is the Scarlet Brotherhood. Is like kind of an overarching big bad. It's so it's so interesting to me that the Ghosts of Saltmarsh adventure module has concentrated on the um the Sahuagin as being your big big bad like kind of the Sahuagin are plotting to sort of take over the world um but they're starting with the fight in the ocean right and the basics of this campaign is that you have to make some decisions about how you align yourself and then do you help them and if you do like how much do we help them and how much does Saltmarsh get involved and you know basically like um who who else helps them and like there's a little bit of political stuff going on as well I make it sound bad like it's all political it's really not um there's just like standard adventuring exploring as well but um yeah there is a bit of that going on your players can get involved in that quite heavily if they've decided they wanted to but um yeah but so there's no like There's no, like, overarching, like, mystery. Not really. I mean, there is. There's plenty of them. There's plenty of political intrigue in the council and the way that that works and um, all the different little, like, hidden things that are all through town. Um, But it's not clearly defined. Um, And the Scarlet Brotherhood exists. They're like a secret mystery cult that basically try and cause chaos and havoc Uh, Wherever they find it. They're not clear in their goals as such. They don't really want to take over anything. They sort of want to tear everything down. And destroy everything. Which gives you free reign. To just do whatever you like with the Scarlet Brotherhood. Anything. Because everything makes sense. They just want to destroy everything. They don't necessarily want to be in power. So um, you can help someone over here. And hurt someone over there. and, And basically screw with the entire world. So you know you could use... The Scarlet Brotherhood for, um, you know, like being a sort of a wayfinder into the way of somewhere, or um, or they've been hired by, you know, um, Strad to go out and find innocent like travelers to bring, or I don't know, like they, you know, it could be a whole lot of stuff because Scarlet Brotherhood love that. Yeah, sure, let's fuck with some. <laughs> some adventure travelers that, that'll that be fun um yeah i hope that helps carl i feel like i've just kind of rambled um about a whole lot of salt marsh stuff because i really love salt marsh a lot um and i don't even have the book in front of me so i can't even remember the name of the pirate and it really annoys me um but, yeah, like, I hope that helps. If you've got more questions um, or you want to hear more about a sp- specific element of saltmarsh that interests you, um, please feel free to hit me up. I'm always happy to help in that kind of way. And, um, yeah, I really should have put ahead of this a spoilers warning. I might go back and just add, like, a spoilers warning because I feel like I just ruined a whole lot of it for those of you. <laughs> who <laughs> didn't know any of that they'll be like wait somewhere in this town there's a vampire in the cellar. how do you know i just know <laughs> uh, good times anyway i'm gonna get out of here all right and that as they say is a wrap still plenty to share with you um coming up but as i say i think i think that's enough for now and I'll put out another one soon. So personal thanks to all my gems. James, Jason, Barry, Laren, KP, Ezekiel, and Joey. I could not do this without you. And I thank it, you every time because you're awesome. Um, thank you to all of my call-ins this time around. So Carl from Geology gmologist presents my god i'm sorry carl and joey from hindsightless and jason from nerds apg variety cast you're all awesome thank you for calling in Um, next week's episode is about i don't know i don't know because as i said at the top i'm changing the way i'm doing the podcast this year i'm just going to podcast from the hip on the fly, off the cuff, let's see what happens. And um, I hope that you still enjoy it. So if you are enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice. It all helps. I do know that they're reviewing on Spotify now, which is fun. Um, you can find me everywhere. And uh, Jules from NZ. I just had to update my website even. So, JulesFromNZ.com, <laughs> even. Uh, but on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and all of the places. So, come find me, come hang with me. Um, yeah. I even have my own glitter Discord. So, if you really want to talk RPG with me, um, that's a good place to come and hang out. Uh, so, Inohora, Kakitaano, Rohanui. And I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.